Welcome to the Voice of Business, the official podcast of the Chamber of Commerce Hawaii, brought to you by Altris. I'm your host, Joe McGarry. Today's guest is Joy Barua. He's the President and Chief Operating Officer at Finance Insurance Limited, a member of the Finance Factors family of companies. Previously, Joy served as the Deputy Director with the City and County of Honolulu's Department of Community Services. As Chief Operations Executive, he managed $150-plus million in publicly funded grants and investments to support housing, economic development, job creation, workforce development, elderly affairs, and other community assistance programs. Prior to his city role, Joy served as the Senior Director of Government and Community Relations and Community Benefits for Kaiser Permanente. Joy was named 2020 Business Leader of the Year by Pacific Business News, which also recognised him for diversity, equity and inclusion efforts as a 2021 Business of Pride honoree. He was also first from Hawaii to be recognised nationally among top 100 under 50 emerging leaders by Diversity MBA magazine. Locally, Hawaii Business Magazine named him among 20 for the next 20 people to watch. He was commended by the State of Hawaii House of Representatives as recipient of the Champion Award from Project Vision Hawaii and was honoured with the Corporate Social Responsibility Award by Pacific Edge magazine, which also featured him as an emerging leader in healthcare. Shall I just stop there? (laughs) We could go on and we could go on and we could go on. How impressive. Joy Barua is joining us this morning. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. That's a very impressive list of accomplishments and awards. First of all, congratulations. Secondly, there's a theme and a thread running through your pathway, it, it looks like, of community service and involvement and championing people who need help. Tell us a little bit about how your journey started. Sure. Well, first and foremost, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, it's an honor to share that story. Um, I'm originally from Bangladesh. I uh, attended a boarding school um, through a scholarship when I was nine years old. So I had to move to a different country. And then after that, high school in Japan. And eventually uh, coming to Hawaii and calling Hawaii for home for almost uh, a little over two and a half decades. Was your boarding school also in India or was it in a different country? Uh, the boarding school was in India. Okay. Yes. So, and then you came to Hawaii. Okay. Yes. So, yeah. so that whole boarding school experience, let's just talk about that for a second because sure. it's very formative for people. If you have to leave home at the age of nine years old, mm-hmm. there's much research now on the effect that that does have on young people. And there's people who say that up until the age of 16, really, you should, if you can, stay at home. Uh, what do you remember about those years? How did that affect you? Uh, Well, initially it was difficult uh, being away from family, friends, uh, but I got to make new friends. I learned the importance of uh, becoming independent over time and, uh, you know, doing that by relying on interdependence, relying on new friends I made, new experiences. A lot of uh, what I have gone through through my boarding school taught me valuable lessons about surviving, but also finding meaning through what we do. And uh, a lot of um, a lot of lived experiences that helped shape me emotionally, um, 
as well as uh, just physically overall, uh, being involved with sports, being involved with extracurriculars. Um, you know, it was just it was just an interesting experience, which you know I I was able to read the benefits of over time in life through through application in my work and community service. Do you think there was something in that mm -hmm. that led you to have this kind of empathetic desire to work with people who need assistance and groups who need some kind of help? And obviously, your work when you were uh, with government. Um, with your city role, um, you know, you were you were doing a lot to put money in the right places to put it where people really need it. it did that sort of start from there? I would definitely say so. I think um, as I reflect on my experiences that started off during those early years of boarding school, not having family, that emotional void was filled through curiosity to learn things and find connection with people. And I think those were early years of building deeper empathy, understanding people. And naturally, it just helped uh, happen because my family wasn't there. Um, my motto is, I aspire to inspire, I live to give, and that has informed and continues to inform a lot of what I do. And for me, uh, service is not something you do after hours, after work, or uh, you know, sort of on the side, ad hoc, but rather a way of life. and. Um, you know, it, it gives me purpose. It, it just makes me whole. And uh, it's not only empathizing with others, but also finding fulfillment, which sort of makes me feel um, as if I'm, I'm doing something right and, and you know, beyond the, the jobs and the many positions I've held. So community for me is, um, you know, at the center of it all. So You've been through something that I think a lot of people have gone through since 2020. Um, along with COVID came a lot of change for a lot of people. And for many people in, in their working lives, I mean, everyone's life, I think, changed at home, especially if we had to have all of our family members in one place. But for, for a lot of people, their jobs descriptions changed, their jobs changed, their entire professions changed. You went through that a couple of times, didn't you? Yep. Recently, we've talked with people a lot on the program about COVID and how it's changed things for them. Can you share with us a little bit how COVID changed and shaped where you are right now today? Absolutely. I think, um, you know, I've gone through three different positions. I was at Kaiser Permanente and then um, ended up at the city and county of Honolulu and, and now my newest role at uh, finance insurance. I think um, the key takeaway for me has been, uh, you know, being prepared to be, uh, to deal with uh, unpreparedness or uncertainty and just welcome it. I think COVID in so many ways is unprecedented. It would be an understatement, but like any other uncertainty, it's being able to see what you don't see and having the patience and, um, you know, the stamina, both physical and emotional. I think uh, physically, of course, there's the ailment, there's the risk, there's the exposure. Uh, but at the same time, emotionally, uh, there was a lot. And um, for me, it's been more about just being, uh, just having uh, my true north, which is my purpose, because the community didn't go away. In fact, if anything, community needs just multiplied. Businesses were going through a lot of volatility, changes, vulnerability. I mean, you name it. Uh, and in the midst of it all, the question always had been for me in retrospect, 
what am I doing and how do I fit in and how do I continue to do and find that purpose that I alluded to earlier. And so I think in, in retrospect, that actually helped me navigate through changes. And so for me, it was less about different roles I played, more about how I remained effective in what I did in the context of the environment as it was changing. It's interesting that you say that physically and emotionally, we've had to weather this and move through it together, because I think the physical part was so evident in the beginning, obviously, because, you know, we were just seeing pictures of, of people, hospitals overrun and, and hospital staff exhausted and, and people dying at, you know, at, at a high rate. The emotional part, I think in the beginning, we didn't give much thought to. I think now we're seeing that rise up. We're seeing people really start to feel, I talk to a lot of people who feel like they have PTSD from mm -hmm. COVID. They feel like they are not recovering, that they don't know what's happening. Um, I'm wondering in your, your leadership roles, you can't ignore things like that. When you, I mean, you were named the 2020 Business Leader of the Year by Pacific Business News, and you've had many other business accolades. We'll I want to talk about your leadership style in just a bit, but in any kind of business, throughout what you've done in the past five years, you can't ignore the two things of the people you work with, right? Mm -hmm. Emotional and physical Absolutely. are who make up your your workers. How How do you assess not just who you're working with, but the environment you're in and how you can make it better? Mm -hmm. Great question. Um, you know, there there is a lot that goes through my mind in terms of how, um, you know, the assessment came about. For me, it, it, it was less about assessing, more about observing. And uh, there's, a, there's an acronym that I love using frequently, which is LNL, &L, which is listen and learn. Um, and this may be at the expense of giving a uh, plug to LNL &L drive-in, which is one of my favorite places. Which is fine. To but I think, you know, Hawaii is a small place, uh, you know, family caring, um, and that sort of physical contact, whether it's a hug, seeing someone, and just that, even the nonverbal communications, those, those things carry deep meaning beyond just at home, in our community, in our business practices, how we show up. And so, um, you know, the pandemic, obviously, just with a single swing, took it all away, given the isolation and the uncertainty we were all dealing with, with physical distancing. And, um, for me, uh, you know, in the different environments I worked at, so for example, at the city and county of Honolulu, we were providing critical services to the community in need at a time when, uh, you know, the needs were really great and even greater, and they continue to uh, these days. Uh, so in that regard, uh, the emotional uh, side with regard to empathizing staff uh, with staff more, being intentional and deliberate about recognizing even the simple act of uh, taking on a high volume of calls, which we may assume that that's just someone's job. But the fact that they're doing it during a pandemic while, uh, you know, being potentially at risk while they're working in delivering essential service, I think those are the types of things that uh, were inspiring me as and continue to inspire me. And, and, and you know, when you give that uh, feedback, it can never be overrated in terms of how you as a leader recognize that. And when you do it en masse, you have um, uh, an effect, uh, 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 the value, the emotions, and, and sort of the dedication that people bring to the work uh, is just immeasurable in, in great ways. 
In terms of the physical distancing, I think goes without saying, uh, you know, when you don't see people, you don't see people. And, uh, you know, we, we tried to stay in touch with the staff or stakeholders or the organizations we partnered with more intentionally. And of course, there's the Zoom, there are these digital virtual mechanisms, but we were also uh, intentional about how we outreached. Maybe it was through a phone call, checking in how they're doing beyond just the business as usual. Hey, I'm checking in on your payment or, or grant, the business beyond that, the human being on the other side of the phone and being able to do that. I think, um, at least in my observation, that paid a lot of dividends in terms of people feeling um, you know, more included, which is difficult to do you know, during a pandemic. So all those um, uh, sort of uh, deliberate activities and being thoughtful and, and going that extra mile to not take those simple things for granted, I think uh, had a lot to do with success. I think, you know, at the end of the day, it all boils down to basic human behavior. We have the need for belonging, connection, and, um, you know, things we take for granted every day, you know, when we don't have a pandemic. But when we're able to do that as part of our everyday routine, it, it just sort of gets hardwired in terms of how we authentically care and it demonstrates. And people give more, people do more as a result of that. When Pacific Business News recognized you as the business leader of the year, one of the things that they, that they really recognized was the fact that you're very aware of diversity and equity and inclusion. And just in hearing you speak uh, now, you know, one can tell that that's very important to you. Um, for a lot of people, they're just coming to the, to the party of diversity and inclusion. And there's still a lot of old habits out there and, and old ways of thinking and, and older generation, the way they will refer to people or, or see people. Mm -hmm. um, how are we doing on that? As somebody who's very focused on diversity and inclusion and equity, are we really making great strides? Are things looking good? Have we learned lots of lessons? Are we better than ever? Uh, I would certainly say that we are better than where we were, say, several years ago. Uh, and the field is growing. There's more awareness. And I, you know, in terms of things that are happening, there's still a long way to go. But, uh, you know, we are positioned right. Uh, in my observations, informal interactions, I'm seeing more and more awareness around people being more self-aware and also aware of the environment. And it's sort of the combination of both self and situational awareness that makes us more functional, caring, empathetic human beings. And so I'm seeing more and more of that. I think, uh, you know, oftentimes because uh, Hawaii is so diverse, you know, visibly, visually, right, ethnically, I mean, you name it in every sense of the expression, um, there are certain uh, things that we ignore or take for granted where I think we need to do some work. Uh, and those are nuanced here in Hawaii. Given our diversity, we need to be, therefore, even more conscious and intentional and aware when we are communicating across cultures. So there is that intra-intercultural aspect to it uh, and the nuances that it comes with. And therefore, we need to be more aware and educate ourselves about where and how we can be more effective. I think um, from, a, from a field standpoint, we need to be more mindful about looking at DEI uh, to become more hardwired as part of our daily behavior. And that is the challenge 
instead of turning it into a sport where we're just hitting some numbers and mm -hmm. metrics, I think they're great. But in and of uh, themselves, they are not necessarily true indicators of whether or not sustainable change is happening. And that is sort of my vision to see us get there. What do you think is, is the most obvious? Maybe you can give us one or two examples in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. I know exactly what you're, what you're talking about is, is that we, can, we tend to uh, speak in a certain way of certain things because we're so familiar and we can make certain jokes about certain groups and we can say certain things because we feel like, well, that's Hawaii and we're just a melting pot. But what are some of the examples where you think we do that and we really should look inwardly and, and stop doing that? But it, that's a really great question. It is a touchy subject, but at the same time, it is also part of everything has its sort of the plus and minuses, right? Um, uh, you know, without getting into sort of, you know, there are nuances, of course. So, for example, if I represent a certain ethnicity, um, you know, the fact that it has become uh, normalized to joke and how that, I mean, the plus side is it helps inform acculturation. But at the same time, I would argue that it also feeds stereotypes which mm -hmm. need to be uh, sort of uh, looked at because you know that's the flip side um, I, I think there's a lot of work uh, we need to do in terms of making sure that if humor is being used as a tool to create acculturation and cultural learning it's different from using it as a tool to uh, be ethnocentric or, or say uh, or communicate somehow my culture is better than yours and so on and so forth so that's sort of the fine line so to speak for me and I think you know, anything and everything in moderation, use the right way. It comes down to the basic of, you know, human nature. Are you doing it with the right intent? And and in that frame, so to speak, I think it's important and it can be ignored. Uh, our own unconscious bias that we are not realizing we're deploying as we are sort of uh, acting out that way or what to us may seem harmless to actually, you know, it's actually creating harm in someone's mind. And mindset. this is where I think Hawaii is very interesting because... Everybody Absolutely. looks at Hawaii as, oh, it's this great big melting pot and it, what a wonderful place, which of course it is. But, you know, there's that kind of blanket of, of melting pot. In fact, it's a phrase that I've just come to. I, when I used to write about food, I would avoid the phrase like crazy because it's so overused. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think we're so interesting in, in that one way because you would look at us and say, what a melting pot of people, but just dig a little deeper. And it's so easy mm -hmm. to be offensive. It's so easy mm -hmm. to insult someone else's culture. Um, and it's so difficult to know if you have because people are stoic. They're not going to share. They're not going to show you how they really feel. You insult somebody in Scotland where I come from, they're going to tell you right to your face. <laughs> you're going to know right away and you're not going to do it again. And it will be done in a way that's, you know, not offensive, really. We're just, but here it's, I mean, we could really go, well, we could go on forever, right? But do you think I'm right? Do you think that's one of the things about Hawaii that's quite unique is that on the surface, we are this melting pot, but underneath mm -hmm. there are a lot of people who really feel that they are not treated with equality and the diversity and the... Unique, uh, we're definitely unique. And we have to be respectful of our host culture. Uh, which is the Native Hawaiian culture. Um, you know, we are a state where you may primarily identify as a Native Hawaiian, but you also have other ethnicities represented as part of your makeup. I think uh, those who represent, uh, you know, views that are culturally diverse and so forth, they should be our educators. As we say in Hawaii, whether it's Kumu or people who are 
our kupuna, they have a lot of wisdom to share about how we should interact and show respect. It really comes down and boils down to this basics. And um, yes, we do tend to be more, um, you know, passive in our communication. But then again, I would argue that, you know, uh, communications research shows that 90% or plus majority of the communication is nonverbal anyway. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, if we can uh, instill in ourselves or be more deliberate about being a little bit more curious or healthy curiosity or objective curiosity, bring that to the table, we can take in a lot more than we normally take in. And that would help us, at least in my opinion and experience, disengage any sort of unconscious biases or myths that we have that may be causing us to behave in ways that offend other people. Uh, I would also say that Hawaii, you know, our aloha spirit, which is, it's more than just a buzzword. It's how we act, we behave. And in that um, uh, frame, if we could include, um, you know, the way we communicate with more intentionality and curiosity to learn more uh, than to judge. I think, you know, we could be that place that we already are, but we could be the model in terms of where, you know, DEI thrives and the place to be. I think it just comes back to what you said right at the beginning, your mantra, L and L, listen and learn. <laughs> if we all did that, we would all learn a lot. Thank you so much. Thank you. Joy Baru is the President and Chief Operating Officer of Finance Insurance Limited. You've been listening to The Voice of Business, the official podcast of the Chamber of Commerce Hawaii, brought to you by Altrist. Join us next time for more stories of Hawaii's business. Business.